Welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Amanda. And we're so glad you're here. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about Marsha Lucas. A few weeks ago, Amanda and I had the extreme privilege of attending a conversation with Marco, Marsha Lucas um, as presented by the AVF or AV Film. Was it? Yeah, AV Film. And she spoke uh, in Petaluma, California. And it was freaking awesome it was santa rosa community college yeah was the facility so amanda and i went amanda what did you think you know i had really i didn't know what to expect about marcia lucas because you know i i knew who she was she was george lucas's ex-wife i knew she had a role in the film but i didn't know that she did as much as she did and I didn't know that what she did had such an impact. And the there were some really cool stories in there, and people paid tribute. There were there were geniuses that showed up for her. Um, Bill Burt. Bill Burt. Okay, I want to say Bill Burr, but I was like, Bill Burr is a fucking comedian. Okay, I know okay. I did too. Okay, yeah, men showed up. Uh, different uh, people who worked in sound uh, from uh, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. So we're, we're, in, we're in Marin County, Cena, mm-hmm. and that's where Lucasfilm and ILM are located. And they went to support Marsha. And th- she was introduced by uh, a host, and they said that, that they had spent time with Marsha talking to her. And you know, people had basically done work. It wasn't. It's not like you just showed up for this. It was $50 tickets each for adults. Uh, and there was quite a large crowd there. I expected there not to be that many just because I just, I didn't know. I didn't know. And now I'm like, well, how dumb am I? Lucasfilm and ILM are in Marin County. Of course, everyone and their mother's going to come see Marsha Lucas talk about like what tea is she going to spill about Star Wars and what does she have to say about it? And she, she, what I learned about her was that she was the heart behind the movies because sometimes you know when a film is made there's the director they're making it but it's after it's all been recorded and then the editor and that's what she is goes mm-hmm. into the film and puts it all together so you'll see they make sure that if someone is drinking a glass and it has a half full of water uh and two minutes later into that same scene like that glass isn't going to be completely full you know they're mm-hmm. going to they connect the continuity that we expect to make us believe that we're watching something real. And the, what I'm blown away about is that she edited this with 
not as robust of an education as I would expect. And I never would have thought in a million years that a woman edited Star Wars, not saying that a man did, but I didn't know that it was her that had the profound idea of, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi dying, that that Mm -hmm. was her idea for him mm-hmm. to die so early. Uh, and that kind of blew my mind. So the, the the way you feel watching the first Star Wars movie and the way the story goes around, goes forward, she is the reason that we feel, I don't know, I think her contribution is why it's so beloved uh, as a story accessible to other uh, multiple generations. Yeah, I know it's George Lucas's work, but what she did is how we ingest it. And that is really important. And we don't give enough credit to editors. I agree. And there's like a really great Patton Patton Oswald bit about female editors. And it's basically, it's comparing, I'll I'll play the clip. Any movie that you love, chances are it was directed by a man, edited by a woman, which means a woman directed it. That's what that means. Literally, name a movie. I'm serious. Star Wars, Pulp Fiction, Jaws, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, Lawrence of Arabia. Because that's how, look, those are the two. It's a dude with his camera dick just pointing it everywhere. Just, oh, I'm just shooting fucking film. Oh, my God, just 18 miles of it. Look at this fucking, every frame is a painting. Oh, my God, I'm making the masterpiece. Oh, fuck, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I shot a lot of film. Oh, man. You see all that film I shot? Holy shit. Shot film everywhere, man. Oh, fuck. I'm a genius. I'm a genius. It's all me. I did it myself. Woo! And the woman's got to show up. We all done, sweetie? Okay. Out you go. I got to make a story out of this mess. No, we're not going to do... We're not going to release an 18-hour movie, sweetie. No. No. Go have a sandwich. Thank you. I gotta find the story here. That's how childbirth works. Girl, the tea in that book. Holy fuck my face off. It is wow. Oh my gosh. I literally, I literally wrote to somebody today. I was like, I'm reading this book. What's the name of the book? Easy Riders and Raging Bulls by Peter Bisk. Biskind? Peter Biskind. And it be, it was made into a movie? Yeah, it was. A, there's a documentary by the same name that I haven't seen. Oh, that's what I'm going to do then. Yeah, I, I actually want to watch it. I should it. have done that. Now, I don't know how much she's in it or how much she's quoted in it because Got she's not it. quoted in the book a ton. Okay. Um, But the stuff that she does say, I'm just – I don't know why I never thought of these people as being like that, but – Okay. Like she, I can't she straight wait up, to hear what that it means. Well, she okay. straight up, she straight up calls Coppola a pussy hound. She's like, it was no secret that Francis was a major pussy hound, says Marsha Lucas. Ellie used to be around for half an hour or so, and then she'd disappear, go upstairs with the kids, and Francis would be feeling up some babe in the pool. I was hurt and embarrassed for Ellie, and I thought Francis was pretty disgusting the way he treated his wife. Yeah. Wow. Coppola's still married. Yeah, I don't know if he's still married to the same person, though. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. I, I met him. Yeah? How yeah, that... he was, um, uh, it was in, oh, what's that city? It's near near Sonoma. Will. There's, 
Will and I watched uh, before we had Atlas. We saw in the theater uh, West Side Story, Spielberg's West Side Story, mm-hmm. and we both loved it. Like I loved it, he loved it. And then one uh, day on Instagram, I saw that Cameo Cinema, <clears throat> Saint Helena. Mm. This Cameo Cinema there was having a showing of West Side Story, Spielberg's West Side Story, and Coppola was going to introduce the movie and talk wow. about it. And so we got tickets, and we went to the, you know, we we went sat in the near the in the front, and so we could see him. And mm. Will has met him before. Ten oh, years wow. ago, Will was walking around near Cafe Zoetrope, saw him eating in there, and ended up going in with his girlfriend at the time, Will's girlfriend, and they sat nearby and striked up a conversation and spent like two hours talking to him. Will oh, did about wow. cinema and his method because Will, you know, studied at USC. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so when we saw them, at, when we saw Coppola at in St. Helena at the Cameo of Cin- Cinema, after the movie was over, you know, of course, we were like the only people left in the theater watching it. Like he stayed for the whole end credits. And Will, you know, went at, yeah. from cinema school. So that's what filmmakers do. It's to show respect for the everyone in the movie, not just the mm-hmm. actors. So you can see who did what. And so we stayed, we sat there, and then uh, we got up, and then Will went up to him and talked to him, and they sang a Puerto Rican song together, and and yeah, he was really a nice older man. Wow. So, yeah, it was that's, really cool. That's interesting. I didn't know he was a, a pea hound, so. <laughs> well, I mean, people change, you know? Like, he might still be a pussy hound. Like, Viagra can be a great thing for men of his yeah. age. Uh, getting back to Marsha Lucas, who is the focus of our podcast. Yeah. Huh? Um, she... I, there was some allusion to her feeling like Verna Fields. Is that her name? I remember that the that was the lady she worked for in Southern yeah. California who trained. Was that her last name? That was what I'm trying to remember. Oh, I don't remember. Let me see if I found it. Verna. She taught a lot of people how to edit films. And Marcia said something really sweet about her. Marcia said that um, she liked to hire women. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but Which was Verna, unheard of then. Yeah, in the 70s. Verna Fields. Yes, I did get that name right. Yeah, it was unheard of. And Verna also really liked film students. Mm-hmm. So Mel- Verna Fields is actually responsible for bringing us Lucas, yeah. Spielberg. Getting Zoetrope together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uniting all of those artists. So yeah, Verna Fields, but there was some allusion to Marsha feeling like Verna had taken too much credit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about the rumor because I can't quite remember it, but Verna was like first build, was top build for that's, editing. Yeah, but that's, I feel like that's always with academics and people who make things. They always yeah. say, the mo- put the most senior person in the front. Yeah. Or at the very end, you know, you want to put, that's the most impactful person, even if they didn't do all the work. I mean, the first author should do all the work, but I see what you mean. I see yeah. that all the time in other and think, industries. And I also think that for, for Verna, like for film editing at that time, like Marsha didn't have a whole lot under her belt yet. Yeah. So, you know, Star Wars hadn't come out yet. She, I don't think I started working with Scorsese yet. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, eh. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe that hatchet's been buried. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, in the book, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, she does even quote saying, uh, "I like to become emotionally involved in a movie." She says, "I want to be mm-hmm. scared. I want to cry." And I never cared for THX because it left me cold. 
When the studio did not like the film, I wasn't surprised. But George said to me I was stupid and knew nothing because I was just a valley girl. He was the intellectual. After THX 1138 went down the tubes, I didn't say, I told you so, but I did remind George that it didn't involve the audience emotionally, she recalls. He always said, and George always said, emotionally involving the audience is easy. No. And and apparently he kind of wrote Star Wars as a way to prove that it was easy, but... I don't know. That's what the book implies. And I'm like, I don't think. It makes sense that he would say that though, because that would imply a lot of forced, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of forced conversations. Nobody really speaks like that, you know? Yeah. And the script was like really heavily doctored. Like 80% of the dialogue that we hear actually was written by another woman. How incredible. What was her name? Gloria Katz. She was a script doctor for Star Wars and Howard the Duck. Is that her name? Gloria Katz? Yeah, K-A-T-Z. But she died in 2018. Oh, Is that her? But she was the script doctor for the original 1977 Star Wars. Hmm. I must be getting her confused with somebody else. I, I, I don't mean to keep saying the original Star Wars, the OG Star Wars, but it's very Why? hard for me to say A New Hope. I don't know. Just say the original Star Wars. That's how I refer That's to it. That's what I say. Have I, don't, you, have I hate you ever, saying A New Hope. Have you ever heard me refer to it as A New Hope? No, but that's like, isn't that what we're supposed to refer to it as? <laughs> I don't. But did the films come out and say how they'd like to be addressed? It was Star Wars. It was Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and same for me. There were some really cool stories that she had shared too about that wasn't her, but she shared it, and I didn't know that. Like Brian De Palma, when he watched it, he didn't get it. He was like, "You need mm-hmm. some kind of thing in the front that tells people what they're into," and so it was his idea to have this scroll at the beginning. I I think. What she meant was the title card of Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time in a Galaxy or mm-hmm. Long. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Long ago in a galaxy far, far away. Was, oh, yeah. Brian De Palma was influential in like the opening sequence of Star Wars. Yes. Um, what else did she say? Didn't she say something else about De Palma? She just talked a lot about the different group, the zoetrope team, and mm-hmm. the different, all the collaborative ideas and the back and forth that happened. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, basically the Star Wars wasn't just something that came out of George Lucas. Like, it had a lot of people involved, and, um, uh, and that sort of collaboration at that time and able to make something so amazing, which is very life-changing mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah, and... Well, I'm actually remembering what I was thinking about Brian De Palma, that after Star Wars came out, um, Lucas got a lot of flack from his from the Zoetrope group. Um, so he became really depressed and didn't think he had any talent. And mm-hmm. Marsha went to Brian De Palma and was like, listen, George doesn't think he's talented, but he really respects you. Can you please go and talk to him? And mm-hmm. so Brian De Palma went and talked to George Lucas and helped restore his confidence so that he could go on and continue to make films mm. and continue to like do Lucas films. So thank you, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah. What else? So what were some like, what were two crazy top moments for you in the conversation? For me to hear about that it was her idea that Obi-Wan Kenobi die early because the whole Death Star scene at the end would be more mm-hmm. impactful if he wasn't in the 
um, she said in the original script, Obi-Wan Kenobi would be on the bridge and he'd be guiding Luke going through the Death Star. Mm -hmm. But it was more impactful if he did it spiritually. Mm -hmm. So he had to die earlier. And so I never would have guessed that that wasn't originally in there. So that was kind of genius that she did that. And what's interesting is in in subsequent interviews, Lucas kind of takes, he doesn't mention that suggestion at all. Yeah. It plays out. It's like, well, oh, Obi-Wan was going to be on the bridge, not doing it much. And then like in Empire Strikes Back, he was going to like train Luke, but not be doing much. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. So I, you know, I killed him off. And I'm like, okay, at the suggestion of your <laughs> wife, bro. Um, but his divorce, the divorce did not go well with him. George mm-hmm. was apparently a very traditional man. And Marsha had suggested that they go to therapy. And Lucas was like, no, therapy's for crazy people. And we're not crazy. Yeah. Oh. A very dated Central yeah, Valley thing to think about. Um, Philosophy. Yeah. So the relationship ultimately deteriorated and dissolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that he said was, yeah, like when you, when the relationship's over, you don't call them, you don't drive by their house, you don't go to their coffee shop, you don't, you don't interact with them. It's over. It's done. You move on. And Marsha even said that she said the way that George dealt with our divorce was um, he just acted like I didn't exist. Fireball. Yeah, which is really sad because, you know, she was really integral to creating this incredible pop pop culture phenomenon and cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And and even the idea of the force was heavily influenced by her. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my research, I found that she was raised Christian scientist. Oh. I know, right? Which I don't know anything about Christian scientists. Um, but she said something about, like, so that was your first top moment. What was your second top moment? I don't have one off my head. What about you? Um, total nerd flex. Getting to see the footage of the very raw edit of the trench scene. So, oh, yeah. Y'all, this is the second time ever that this particular clip had been shown in public. Yeah. And it is a splicing of the very original raw footage and audio of the trench scene, but not with the special effects. Instead, um, Marsha took scenes of dogfight from yes. World War II, and they were like space holders in where it was going to be, you know, aircraft, you know, starships fighting or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they will taught me about this process. So whenever you're making a movie and you go to edit it, if you don't have the film, you you usually start something and you put things in it that are similar as placeholders to show what you want to convey, like the image, the feeling. So there were some scenes with actors. And then instead of showing the effects of the two of the starships, it would show World War II planes and the dogfighting scenes, mm-hmm. which with well, the first time I saw him do some, something like that, cut together a movie and show things, I was like, you're just stealing someone else's work. It doesn't make sense. Um, and then I go to this thing and I see them show, oh, it's the second time we've ever shown in public. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be great. And it was the same kind of stuff my husband would have shown me, except it was the Star Wars original OG edit Mm. of the, you know, with planes from a dogfight. It was the, the origin, the idea of what was going to be on the screen. And I thought that was, that would be my second part too. That was so cool. And it was introduced by that guy, Bill. Yeah, and what's crazy is Bill was very clear about how the the clip that we were about to see was 
he called it, quote, a study in silent film, close quote, mm-hmm. because there was literally the only sound you heard was the actors' voices. Yeah. The rest of it was dead silent. And yeah. it was amazing to watch and see, you know, even like I've seen Star Wars so many times. I was like, oh, I remember where we are. I, you know, oh, that's where the TIE fighter scene mm-hmm. comes through. And then, mm-hmm. and then being sort of jarred when I would hear dialogue. Yeah. Um, because it was so quiet. There was no music. There was no sound yeah. effects. There was nothing. Yeah. And then even Marsha's really intentional choice to focus on Leia's face. And um, she even said that Leia is telling that story through her face in that mm-hmm. entire sequence. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool moment. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was my top moment. I was just like, this is incredible. And and Marsha was really funny and very warm. Yeah. I was like, I kind of want to like hang out with you and have some afternoon iced tea. And she yeah. seemed a little bit like a technology hater. Like she had some comments about how she was into editing film mm-hmm. analog and that yeah. the digital stuff, she was like, no thanks. Yeah. I'm not sure what that was about. Well, I understand, like, you know, when you, for me, I'm in my 40s now, right? So, like, there's sometimes there's new things, and I'm like, like TikTok. I don't feel like learning that, so I'm not yeah. even on it, right? I get that, but I think, I think if she was still married, she would have learned to do digital to George Lucas. If they stayed married, she might have learned more. But mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. After the divorce, I think it might have been painful, and it was better just to move on with your life. You know, she had a family. Yeah, she. Um, you know. So one of the reasons that there were a couple of reasons that. Uh, several things that contributed to the collapse of their marriage. Uh, Lucas, uh, George's relationship with Coppola mm-hmm. was fairly corrosive, according to the book by Biskind. Or Biskind, they were having significant trouble conceiving a child. They ended up adopting a child. Uh, mm-hmm. Amanda is her name, da, 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 and she's a WWE. <laughs> what? Yeah, she's like a, I think a WWE fighter or something. Yeah, you look her up. She's like really like homegirl strong. She's a very strong oh. woman. Um, okay. So they adopted a child, Amanda, and the and then George was just working all the time, and so it was this combination of things. And George wanted to sort of like stay home and mm-hmm. work, and Marsha wanted to go out and see the world and kind of like experience things and meet people. And George was more of a homebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that time, I think she might've, I think she was born in 19, was she born in 1944. Anyways, she would have been like our age. Mm-hmm. Um, so in like her early forties or late thirties around this mm-hmm. time. And, you know, they had, they had adopted a child, but she ended up falling in love with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah. And left George. She didn't change her name. No. I mean, if I had an Academy Award in my name, I probably wouldn't change my name either. That's true. Like, yeah, that's, or maybe that's just the name she goes by in public. Yeah. 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 We don't know what her driver's license says. She was funny. She was just funny. She seemed fun. She, she just said, she had said funny things like um, when her and George first started dating, he was really reluctant to tell her where he was from. She's like, where mm-hmm. are you from? They're like, oh, you know, Northern California. Okay, but like where? Oh, you know, the Bay Area. Okay, but like where? And uh, she told a story about how one night they were driving to UCLA to go see a film. 
And she's like, why won't you just tell me where you're from? And he's like, okay, I'm from Modesto, California. And she says, oh, and then I understood why he would never want to tell anybody that because I'm from Modesto, California, <laughs> which is true. She's, she was born in Modesto, California. She uh-huh. was an army brat. Mm-hmm. Um, her father was in the military. He left her, her mother when she was very, very young. And mm-hmm. Marsha talked about growing up in Los Angeles uh, at, mm-hmm. in a single parent home. Yeah. And she was like a 1940s latchkey kid. She was a latchkey yeah. kid before there were latchkey kids. Yeah. And she talked about how she would come home from school and sit in front of the television and watch old movies. Yeah. Um, because yeah, at the time, there I was- I could relate to that yes! so much. Yeah, I, was... I related to that. I liked her even more. Yeah. We would come home and just start watching movies and cartoons. And you know, uh, she watched a lot of movies and she got really familiar with story concepts. And mm-hmm. what I heard, you know, this resonated with me in a big way was just a lot of um, her absorbing- through consuming and Mm -hmm. then how she got into editing was she went uh she had a boyfriend at the time and Mm -hmm. he got a job at the hollywood museum getting it set up and he was like hey you should come work here and she's like okay so she went to the hollywood department of commerce which i guess gave out jobs i don't know and she applied for a job but they assigned her to um a place where she would like interact with film and Eventually, that led to her like learning how to edit and going on to meet Verna Fields. And uh, Verna Fields introduced her to George Lucas. They worked on sorting out film for uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, some tour he went on. I don't mm-hmm. know. So they spent a lot of time organizing all the film together and they went to see a lot of movies together. They were just really into mm-hmm. movies. And. Yeah, no, I was very impressed with what she had to say. She seemed like a scrapper. It just when she got to the point of, uh, I wasn't going into digital. I thought, oh, she must have stopped. They got out of film in like the nineties. Uh, at the latest. I yeah, mean, I can't imagine. I think she, I think she was getting out like in the late eighties, early nineties, and then she um, has a few producing credits to her name from the two thousands, but. They look more like just like financial contributions, not like recently I saw a clip where Marsha Lucas calls out George Lucas as being racist. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, so she did this interview, uh, I think it was a year ago, for a series on Vice called Icons Unearthed. Uh-huh. And the director of the series, he also did the series, The Movies That Made Us and The Toys That Made Us. Mm-hmm. So if you like those documentaries, you know that this documentary is going to be lit. I haven't watched the whole thing. I've just watched clips of it, and it's amazing. And the director tells this incredible story about how he was working to like meet her, and they were going mm-hmm. back and forth. And Marsha's assistant finally was like, okay, yes, we can do it. She's in Hawaii. She's got the next nine days. And mm-hmm. he was supposed to be on – the day he got that call, he was supposed to be on a plane to New York at 3 o'clock that afternoon. Uh, for some very important meetings. And by two o'clock that afternoon, all those meetings had been rescheduled and he was on a plane to Hawaii. And 18 hours later, he was in Marsha Lucas's house. Because he's like, when Marsha, someone like Marsha Lucas says, yes, I'm available. Here it is. You don't fuck around. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. And then he conducted a six hour interview. And has all this incredible footage. And there's a lot. Uh-huh. So she's only given, I think, two or three, only two or three interviews oh that were God. this in depth. And mm-hmm. 
yeah. So I'm excited to get a look at that. Um, oh, the Indiana Jones ending. That's right. I was going to say she edited Indiana Jones and I could not believe that. She didn't edit it. She didn't? No, but she, she, was- she gave feedback about the ending. Okay. I can't remember what she said. No, that's okay. Uh, remember, uh, so what she said was she watched the, ori- the original ending, didn't oh, have yeah. the scene with Marion and Indy. Right. And, and they go there. It's in the SF. Um, City Hall. City Hall. So for folks who aren't familiar, at the scene, at the end of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. No, not Temple of Doom. Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you. Um, at the end of Raiders, what we see is the scene where we go from Indiana Jones in the conference room talking to everybody around the table. And they're like, mm. oh, what's going to happen to the Ark? Oh, it's yeah. being studied. Blah, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And then, you, and then it cuts to it being um, put away in the... What's it called? Box in, the, in a room it, of yeah. archives, throwing yeah. away the key. Like no you know, one's looking that, at it. That room that appears again in the crystal skull. Uh huh. Oh, <laughs> I literally. It's re- probably pretty accurate too. I bet if there's a what, I bet yeah. Area Fifty One or whatever military secrets are at, it's probably just a room of boxes that yeah. nobody's it, looking at. They're just making sure that someone's put a number on, and then they're making sure the the floors are clean. Yeah, it's literally they're they're probably all underground too. Yeah. Like that's Area 51. It's just a freaking it's a it's a it's a storage place. Yeah. Um so anyways, she's like, um, okay, but like what happens to Marianne? Remember and they needed were, something. Yeah, she's like so they had written the scene. They wrote that scene. It's not like they had to write the scene. They're like, Oh, well we we didn't shoot it because we didn't think that we needed it. And she's like, um, yeah, you, you do. Because otherwise Marion's just stuck on a pole on the top of a mountain. I hope that's not what happened to her. Yeah. So they filmed the story. Yeah. They filmed the scene at San Francisco City Hall. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because I had never, I've never seen the, it on the big screen. And it's been a while since I've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and I, we were watching it. I leaned over to a man. I was like, is that San Francisco City Hall? And then it closes. It like it. And then Marsha's like, and that was filmed at San Francisco City Hall. And I was like, mm, mm, mm. I've been to City Hall a few times to go in for like in a marriage license, whatever. Um, and I've seen how beautiful it is. Yeah. It's one of us got married there, but it was during the pandemic and you could only have like five people or something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, even without the pandemic, you could only have five people. It's a, yeah. yeah to get married it's at San controlled. Francisco city hall. It's is, beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Gorgeous. It's one of the most gorgeous beautiful places. Um, so yeah, it was really cool. They're yeah. like, oh, it's our city. And then um, so after after the event ended, we um, mm-hmm. there was an opportunity to meet Marsha, but we were not able to. We had to get back. Yeah. There was a really long line. And also the event started like 20 minutes late. It started hella late, and which so, pissed me off. Yeah, because I'm also like, um, okay, like five minutes I'm willing to like allow, but 20 minutes, I'm sorry. You don't know what other people have going on. You can't just yeah. assume that we're just here for whatever. Um. So it was that was irksome, but because yeah. of that, like, and the line looked like it was going to take quite a while to go through. She was she was really nice. I didn't know any of the stuff that she said. I was so impressed with her. I'm so mm-hmm. happy she shared her story. Yeah. Hey. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation about Marsha Lucas. Thanks that, for listening. Yeah, and we hope that you learned a lot of great stuff today. We'll go ahead and link um, the YouTube videos and everything that we mentioned today in the show notes and may the force be with you may the force be with you
Oh, sorry. One more announcement. Amanda and I are going to be taking a podcast hiatus until January, uh, just to you know get through the holidays. We both have, you know, we're both adults. We work, you know. Um, so we're going to take a little rest, a little winter's nap, and we will see you all in 2024. Thank you. See you next year. All right. (laughs) Circle back after the new year. I'll catch you in 2024. Thank you all very much. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We certainly enjoyed having you. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at the Women of Star Wars podcast and over on Twitter at RebelGirlGRRL2187. Thank you very much and may the force be with you.